On this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum, Sherm Chester joined by Sam Bruno and our special guest, Roger Brown from the New Hampshire Football Report.com, New Hampshire Hardball.com, and the Union Leader. You were, Roger, at the hockey tournament. The uh, as we as we record this, it's all over and done with. The uh, Exeter Blue Hawks uh, came in in third place. Uh, didn't make it to the big dance up at SNHU Arena in Manchester, but it was Concord, who was the favorite going into it, that, uh, that pulled it out. So uh, you want to give us the highlights of both Division One and Division Two and what you saw up there? Yeah, well, Concord was much the best in their game against Bedford. They won three to nothing. Um, you know, they didn't allow – I think it's – I don't think they allowed more than two goals in any game all season, Concord. So, again, it was – you know, defense got them there. Uh, defense won them the title and you know they I think most people agree they were they're deserving champion this year um, I actually got to watch three games because I saw the girls uh, I didn't see the girls game but the girls game was played that day in Hanover um, they beat you know it was it was a lot of Seacoast representation and the team they beat was a co-op from St. Thomas Winnicott and Dover girls team and they won that one five to nothing um, and then the St. Thomas boys won the division two title. They were undefeated, uh, beat Portsmouth Newmarket seven to one. And, um, it was Portsmouth Newmarket's first, uh, I think the first time they had gone, you know, as far as the semifinals. So it was a good season for them, you know, um, they had a coaching change right before the season and, um, you know, not the ending that they wanted, but still, you know successful season, something to be proud of there. The uh, Blue Hawks, uh, again, uh, uh, ended up in, in third position. Uh, but after talking to coach uh, Paul DiMarino, both at the beginning of the season and during the season, they knew that was their big, uh, big challenge, that conquered team. And uh, as you said, uh, this was conquered year, just the way it went. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not for a bad first period against uh, Bedford, you know, they might've been in the championship game, you know, they found themselves down three, nothing. And, uh, you know, fought hard, but, you know, lost three to two, just too much of a hole early. And uh, I should mention too, that the uh, division three game was played Sunday at Plymouth state. And that was uh, Berlin Gorham beat. Um, they won that one three to one against Belmont Guilford. BG versus BG. <laughs> BG, BG. And neither one is the real BG. <laughs> well, we wrap up the winter season and, and, and let's, let's move to spring. The deal is baseball is back. Uh, negotiations were going nowhere for weeks. And then all of a sudden, the, they just decided, hey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty. And they got it done. So baseball is back. Uh, the truck, the infamous equipment truck snuck down from Yaki Way down to the training camp without us knowing about it this year because they didn't know if spring training was going to happen or when it would happen. And it is going to be a very expedited spring training for the Red Sox. Uh, okay, baseball back, Sam. It's amazing how quickly the deal got done when players' paychecks and service time were going to stop. Once they hit that place where they were going to actually – drop from 162 games to a lower number of games, which would have reduced their salaries and service time. Somehow a deal got done all of a sudden. So you knew that was going to happen. It was a dance. They had to play it. 
They shorten spring training so the players don't have to be there so long. So, and the owners got what they wanted. The owners still have the upper hand in the contract negotiations. They still are able to control uh, the players. Um, they got the more money in the luxury tax so they can go out and spend and buy higher price players. Um, and so I think I think the owners still have the advantage in the contract negotiations. It's a five-year deal. That's good news. So we've got five years of labor peace here for a while. Uh, and uh, as we move along, there are some definite pluses for me, as you know. Uh, I am just hallelujah. I don't have to watch pitchers hit anymore. So uh, I'm just... I'm just so happy about that. And the other big thing that came out of the negotiations that I really love is in 2023, not this year, but next year, the schedule will feature teams playing every other team at least one season. None of this 19 games against the Baltimore Orioles for the Red Sox. So I think that's a that's a great thing for the fans where every year they will see every team play their club so i think that's great and it doesn't hurt the ticket to sales either because you know it gets old when you just play certain teams a lot you know this way everybody will get some exposure and uh but again that doesn't start until next season correct right 2023 so what are they going to do this year as far as the interleague are they going to are they going to just pick a division have the regular schedule set up the way that they had it okay and again there'll be uh there'll be no dh and uh, th what they're going to do is fill in the series that they lost, either with double headers or open days. So they're still going to play 162 games. Now, the only havoc that came out of this is that uh, we got like a two-week spring training. But the big thing was all the free agents that couldn't go anywhere. Uh, I know Roger's probably excited because one of the big ones went right off. And the Dodgers uh, re-signed Clayton Kershaw. And uh, uh, Carlos Rodon, he's out on the West coast uh, with the giants. Now um, anybody want to talk about some of those, those uh, changes of venue for some of the newer. Well, Roger, Roger knows that Freddie Freeman's going to be a Dodger, right? You know that, right, Roger? Uh, I'm certainly hoping that's the case. You know, it looks yeah. that way, but. Oh, they're dancing. They're dancing around. They say that he might go to Tampa Bay. Come on, give me a break. He's going to be a Dodger. <laughs> you know that. Uh, you know, I, I hope. I hope we can fit him into the lineup, you know. We because now that, now that the Dodgers have to have a DH, they can give him the six-year deal true. for $300 million true. Yeah, and true. DH him DH him at the end of his career. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, see, I, I'm against the DH. Uh, uh, I wish, simply put, and I know it's a pipe dream, I just wish pitchers could hit better. Yeah. I think huh. if pitchers could hit better, we would have so much of the strategy – and, you know, you wouldn't have to watch a guy up there. hits a buck 10. I get that part of it. But. Oh, Roger, know. rally killers, rally killers. Come on. <laughs> eight and nine hitters. Give me a Yeah, break. but not if they can hit. But not if they can oh. hit. What, what if pitchers could hit 300, Sam? Just saying, oh, what if they God. could? If I'm sitting in the stands and I'm paying 100 bucks a ticket and I've got two men on and the pitcher comes up and it's an automatic out. But, give me but a break. what if pitchers hit 300? What if they oh. did? What if? Then they wouldn't. Then they wouldn't have an ERA below three. Well, if pitchers could hit like they do at every level, except for the pros, they get to the pros where they stop batting. I think you got the best of both worlds. You know, I mean, it, I can manage in the American League. You know, <laughs> and yeah. if you're 45 and uh, you look like me, I could play in the American League. <laughs> so I'm against that. 
I'm I'm totally puzzled by this uh, no shift. Uh, I don't know what yeah. the heck that's about. What are the rules on that? Did you hear the rules? Yeah, I think it's two infielders on each side of the base. And they. what confuses me is they said that's supposed to speed up the game. I have no idea. I don't follow the logic there whatsoever. So you uh, could take the second baseman and put him out as a short fielder as long as he's... I don't, I, I don't even know that. Uh, theoretically, I guess, yes, but I don't know if there's any, I mean, what are we doing with baseball? First of all, like they couldn't, this is just a mess, but um, I don't know if there's any depth requirements. Like you have to be on the dirt or, you know, I, I really don't know. They're, they're coming up with rules that just bigger bases. I don't know what, to, I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah. The bases you know? thing. I couldn't figure that one out. I mean, what, how does that, you know, what, what, what advantage is that? I mean, well, you could steal more bases cause it's closer. Well, yeah. I, how much? Well, yeah. Foot. <laughs> giant bases. It'll be yeah. like play school, play yeah. school, T-ball, T-ball. The big bats. Yeah, exactly. And the big bases. Yeah. Base dealer is a base dealer. Baseball has got to get out of its own way. I mean, it's a struggling sport, and uh, I love it, but, boy, it's hard to defend it. They're still going to talk about the pitch clock. I've seen the pitch clock, you know, at that double A. And, eh. What about a rule of making the batter stay in the batter's box? I mean, can that happen? I think you could, but, I, I mean, honestly, let's be serious. The rule that they – the only thing that's going to shorten the game, really, is commercial time, you know, and that ain't going to happen. So, and you and I talked about that. I think Roger, that my idea is do similar to what I know NASCAR does it, and a bunch of other sports are trying it now. You you have the picture in picture. Your game is still on the left hand side of the screen. Your commercials running on the right for sixty seconds or whatever it is. Uh, the announcers back out, and then they just play the soundtrack for the commercial. Uh, you know that way the game can go. They don't have to stop it out for three minutes or whatever they do four minutes in between innings, and that that's that would speed it up. I mean, you go to a Fisher Cats game, right? I sit there and look at that pitch clock. It rarely, if ever, comes into play. So I'm not right. crediting that for moving the game along. It's still a professional game with the same rules as MLB, and you can play a game in two hours and ten minutes. So right. what's the difference? Well, it's it's I got to look at those mm -hmm. commercials for three minutes a whack yeah. every half inning, I think. You know, major, major League Baseball, if they hadn't gotten this thing going, and I know nobody was really uh, upset by the fact that it would start in April a little later. Who cares? I mean, a couple of weeks, no no great loss. I think they started too early anyway. But the, the deal was that, you know, their popularity ratings tanked. And we talked about it in one of our previous shows. You can't lose any more of the youth audience. I mean, you know, they've got old timers like us that'll watch baseball, but the, the kids, it's just, they've lost them. I, I, I don't know anybody young that watches games way too slow. The other thing to Sherm is unlike other sports, well, like football, every game matters to a large degree, baseball, not so much because there's so many of them, you know, and, I could see someday if they could figure out the money part, but it's always money, you know, a hundred game season, it starts May 1st, something like that, you know, somewhere down the road, but you know, unless the salaries are going to be the same, they're not going to do it. Uh, Sam, have you heard anything uh, through the grapevine for the Red Sox of any of this free agent uh, 
talent going our way, coming our way. I just joked with Roger about the Dodgers and Freddie Freeman, but supposedly the Red Sox are in on this. Wow. So, you know, again, uh, you know, uh, would you rather have Freddie Freeman at first base than Bobby Dahlback? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think that would, that would be about, but I don't think the Red Sox are going to commit the $300 million that Freeman wants. No. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the, the interesting thing is Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts. Bogarts is a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. So whether you're you, you have to make a decision of whether you're not going to pay Bogarts long-term or go out and get yourself another first rate shortstop and down the road, Raphael Devers is arbitration eligible this year right. and then a free agent. So he's two years away. Right. So who do you want to lock up right now? Do you want to go for a Freeman? Do you want to lock up Devers? Do you want to log- lock up Bogarts? Can you do both? So that's the yeah. decision that the Red Sox are facing right yeah. now. I think I think I would go the, the latter, the one you just said, lock up those two young guys. Uh, Freeman, you know, it would be a nice, nice piece of the puzzle. I don't think Korea... Is, is where we're at right now. Cause we've got some talent coming up. There's a couple that kid they drafted last year. They say is just about Chris ready Cassis, to go. Cassis, Kristen Cassis, yeah. Nick York, people like that are all, all waiting in the wings. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, don't, don't uh, overdo it. Get, get you've got two players that are happy here. Lock them up, lock them up, get them, get them to a contract. And, uh, and you know, uh, JD Martinez, now that this uh, universal DH is in play, he's gone. And so that always leaves you the option of putting uh, Raphael as your DH at some point sooner than later, probably. So uh, you could talent, you could talent in the farm. That's a good thing that's happened over the past few seasons. Uh, let's see. Let's see if they can use it to their advantage. Roger, what I wanted to do is shift gears to the schoolboy stuff. Uh, NewHampshireHardball.com. Uh, I know uh, we've got a new coach for the Exeter Blue Hawks, Bruce Joyce. Tell us something about uh, Bruce and, and, uh, what you've heard about the, the whole setup as far as the Seacoast uh, baseball. Well, Bruce, of course, was Kevin McQueen's right-hand man for a number of years. I think he was with him for all three state championships that Exeter won under Kevin. Um, I think a lot of people don't know. He used to coach college baseball at uh, Southern New Hampshire. I think it was New Hampshire College at the time. So he's got a really good baseball background. Um <clears throat> And, and he's, he's one of, uh, I should also mention that, uh, you know, Carson Cross, an Exeter grad uh, who pitched in the minors, is coaching St. Thomas Aquinas this year as well, first year um, coach over there. So we got, you know, a couple uh, coaching changes here on the Seacoast and it should be a really strong year. Um, you know, Winnicott was <clears throat> made it to the championship game last year. They should be very strong again. You know, Exeter will be good. And in my opinion, Portsmouth is the favorite. So, um, yeah, you're going to see some good baseball here on the Seacoast this spring for sure. March Madness, the brackets. We were talking about it just before we started recording the program this morning. Um, it's, it's the time of the year that we've all waiting for for college basketball. Sam, I know you're an aficionado. You've got, you probably had your bracket done the second it was announced. So <laughs> I did have my uh, favorite teams already selected before I knew they were going to be in. So I knew who my favorite teams were already. It's just where they fit uh-huh. up in the regions. And I hope that they weren't all bunched up in one region and that worked out. Okay. So uh, again, uh, uh, for those of you who are thinking about filling out brackets this week, 
Um, the tip that I'm going to give you is the tip that I always follow is fill out your bracket from the inside out. A lot of times you go from the outside in. You start with those first round games. Don't do it that way. Look over the whole field, pick your top six or eight teams and fill them into the elite eight and semifinals and then work from the out from the inside out and then figure that way. Because if you're in some sort of a pool or a competition with your bracket, the big point games are the final four games, the championship game and the elite eight games. So those are the games you want to have your teams in. And those are the games you want to be participating in because that's where you'll get your points to win your office pool or whatever you're in. Roger, uh, what's your take on what you see in, in the brackets? We'll start with you. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament because I, I don't, unlike last year, I don't think there's a team or two that's way above the rest. And the, the number of teams that I would place in the top tier, let's say, is, is pretty sizable. I haven't counted them up, but, um, you know, typically I, I can pick my final four pretty easy and then it gets tough, but there's probably 10 teams that, you know, I think if they all won it, I wouldn't be shocked. Some might be a little more surprised than others, but, um, you know, like years ago, Kentucky was an overwhelming favorite. Last year we had Gonzaga and Baylor and, I just think it's uh, there's a lot of strength at the top and it's not one or two overwhelming teams. And I think that makes for a more interesting tournament. I'm still filling in, in my bracket, uh, Sam, you've got yours filled. You get your, you got yours filled in. Uh, go, go for it. Just give us a, an idea where you're headed. I'm going to go by regions. I'm going to go by regions. We'll start in the, uh, the upper. If you're, if you're looking at a bracket, you're going to look at the upper left-hand corner and that's the Western regional. And that has Gonzaga in it as the one seed and Duke as the two seeds. So most people will have Gonzaga and Duke playing for the West championship, but I say no to that. No, no, no. <laughs> nay, nay, nay. <laughs> you can go with, you can go with Gonzaga, but in that Western final, your Western final is going to be against the red Raiders of Texas tech. Mm-hmm. Texas tech comes in as a three seed 25 and nine Texas tech red Raiders. One of the best defensive teams you're going to see in the tournament. And that's going to be a whale of a final in the West. Roger, what do you think about that one? I can't argue. I, I have Duke um, against Gonzaga, but uh, I I can't say that I can uh, go against your Texas Tech tip pick. Uh, just terrific team. Uh, I think Duke has more offensive talent, but Texas Tech is uh, plays at both ends of the court. And um, – wouldn't be surprised at all if Tech wins that, that game if they do face Duke. Um, you know, I like Gonzaga. The team I, wor- I worry about on the other side beating them is Arkansas. But, um, you know, Arkansas has got that uh, that dreaded game against Vermont. <laughs> you know, don't they? Don't, don't they open with Vermont? Like, that's, that's the one opponent they probably don't want to see. You know, like uh, – It's going to be the UMBC-Virginia game, Yeah, right? like you got all these athletes from Arkansas against this this – you know, Vermont, like, it's kind of like a Princeton-Georgetown game way back for those old enough, you know, where one team just – like my Woodsville uh, analogy, they just play so, such sound basketball and cut to the basket and get easy layups and, and what have you. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think if Arkansas can overcome that hurdle, um, 
they don't play the smartest basketball, but you know, they do have a good collection of talent for sure. So um, I have Gonzaga and Duke. Um, but I think Sam's nailed it with Texas Tech. They, they, you know, no surprise if they come out of there either. The only other sleeper for me in that Western region is the number 10 seed, Davidson. Davidson, if they get hot and if they start hitting their threes from the outside, uh, goodbye, Michigan State, goodbye. And they can beat Duke if they're on that game. So Davidson is my sleeper in that situation. Yeah, I got Davidson winning the first game and then losing to Duke. So I would agree with you there as well. We'll go to the East region, the East region, which is below uh, below the West region on your bracket form. Um, certainly the favorite is Baylor, uh, but I say to Baylor, no, 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 no. Don't go with Baylor. Go with UCLA in the top of that bracket. UCLA Bruins are playing great basketball right now. And I've just got a feeling that in the bottom of that bracket, John Calipari in Kentucky they're still going to make it. I think they dogged it down the stretch during their conference tournament. They wanted to rest Oscar Shibway, who you're really going to enjoy watching for the Kentucky uh, team. Uh, Shibway is a team uh, player who can carry an entire team. So I've got the West, uh, the East final being uh, the UCLA Bruins against the Kentucky Wildcats. Roger. I have the same uh, big UCLA fan here. Um, course i didn't have them winning more than one game last year and they uh they almost made it to the final so go figure um i toyed with the idea of kentucky i don't like coach cal i saw she play at west virginia i loved them i like this kentucky team uh ucla has been uh two of their better players been injured they're healthy now or close to it they seem to turn it up a notch when it matters, as, as evident by what we saw last year. Um, so I would say UCLA or Kentucky is going to come out of that bracket. You know, um, my head probably says Kentucky, but my heart says UCLA. But, you know, either one of them, I, I think, could, could come out of there, come out of that region, I should say. How about a dark horse? I got Baylor, UCLA, and I have Purdue, Kentucky. So I, I don't really, you know, I like the St. Mary's team. But, uh, you know, I have, I think they have a matchup problem with UCLA early on, but they're good. You know, people don't know much about them. I saw them play Gonzaga, the game they lost, the most recent one, and they were still good in that game. I know they beat them earlier, but, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I know Murray State's good. I think they have a problem with Kentucky. Uh, St. Mary's would be my, my dark horse, I guess, if I had to pick one. Mine is Murray State. I go along with Murray State. Um, Murray State has a good guards. They have a good big man. They have won 30 games this season. Uh, I would not sleep on, I would not sleep on Murray state. I think they can get by San Francisco and a Murray state Kentucky is going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a good one in that uh, East region. Uh, moving over to the South, which is the top right-hand bracket. Um, no doubt about Arizona. That's the only one seed I have going into the final four is Arizona. I, I think they are much the best team. I think they're going to win it all eventually. Uh, I think they, they've got all the makings of a championship team uh, with their big man Coloco in there. I, I, think, uh, I think they're just an awesome team. But in the bottom half of that bracket, um, I'm going to be going with Villanova. Uh, I think Villanova uh, with Gillespie, uh, a good, solid senior guard leading that team. I think senior guard play is important in the tournament. And uh, a team that is senior-led with veterans, 
uh, in this day and age is a good team to move through the tournament. So I like uh, Arizona and Villanova in uh, that South region. I have Arizona Villanova as well, Sam, and I don't see anybody being providing much resistance to Arizona. This is the weakest region in my mind. Um, I don't see Arizona losing even, you know, I know the point guards out. Um, I, I don't, I can't even come up with a team that might beat them. Uh, I think Arizona advances out of that region. How about your long shot? Well, um, again, I don't, I don't know who in that region qualifies as a long shot. Uh, let me see. I guess I, you know, I know a lot of people like Loyola Chicago. I saw them this year. I, you know, I, I don't think they're as good as they were. I guess if I had to pick one, I guess I'll go with the the Longwood team. Uh, don't know too much about them. Um, I do know they shoot almost forty percent from behind uh, the arc, and I like picking these these smaller schools that are good three point shooting teams. You know, when I'm looking for upsets, so I guess I'll go with Longwood. I I, I like Longwood. Um, you know, my heart my heart says Chattanooga. Uh, winning on that that unbelievable shot at the end at, at the buzzer from the almost midcourt to win their game, but if it but they drew Illinois, and uh, with Kofi Coburn uh, for Illinois, I don't think Chattanooga is going to have much of a shot. But I will I will watch that Chattanooga Illinois game as 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 a possible major upset there. Moving on to the Midwest bracket, toughest bracket for me. Um, I I struggle. I struggle every season in the NCAA tournament over Kansas. I can never figure out Kansas. Uh, they make the tournament every year, but Bill Self's teams just don't advance in the tournament. And they get another number one seed here. And I just can't, I just can't back Kansas. I don't think that they're going to move on. So out of that bracket, I go for the number, the five seed, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're playing great in their conference tournament. If they can keep it going, they're a very excitable, uh, very exciting, uh, watchable team. Uh, you can really root for that Iowa team. Um, I would like the New England team, Providence, to move along, but I just don't think they have the horses for that. So that's why I have Iowa getting uh, to the championship game in the Midwest. And I know this one is wrong. Sometimes when you fill out brackets, you say, oh, I know this one is not going to work out. And for me, it's Wisconsin. Um Johnny Davis is a, a very good player, could be the player of the year this year. Is he going to get hot for the playoffs and lead the Badgers? So it's just a hard play on Wisconsin. It's certainly uh, certainly not a, not a statistical or uh, I really think they're going to win it. But I've got Iowa in Wisconsin, a Big Ten final. Usually in the NCAA tournament, you don't get a Big Ten final in a, in a, in a regional. So uh, I'm going to go, go against trends there and go with Iowa and Wisconsin. We are on the same page again, Sam. I have Iowa coming out of that region. Uh, I'm with you on Kansas. Sometimes they look like they're the team that's going to win it all. I saw them lose on their home court by 20, I think, to Kentucky one week. So, you know, the uh, problem with them is they don't have the depth that they've had. And, um, you know, they got one or two, two players, really. And if either one of them has an off night, I can see them losing. Um, I saw Iowa late in the season lose to Illinois. I was very impressed. Uh, terrific offensive team. Not great on the defensive end, but, you know, not like last year where they were just terrible. Um, and I have them matching up with USC, which is a bit of a dark horse for me. 
I think USC, one of their biggest problems will be getting by Miami in the first round. And I think, uh, I think if they can win that one, I like them against whoever they play the rest of the way. Um, you know, probably, you know, I probably like them a little more than I should, but if, if they do put it together, they're a team that people aren't looking at that could, uh, could go far. So I, I, to me, they're either going to be out early or make a deep run USC. So, but I have Iowa beating USC and, and uh, advancing to the final four. Roger, I just wanted to ask you a quickie about uh, any uh, New Hampshire representation in the, in the March Madness this year. Um, the biggest one we have, or the, the, the biggest name, I guess, would be Geo Baker, who plays for Rutgers. And he was uh, mm-hmm. he played for the Pinkerton team, I don't know the year, but they lost to Lemondary in the uh, Division One championship game. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's a guard. I think it's I think it's his fifth or sixth year. I forget exactly, you know, with the COVID extra year, how many years he's been there now, but um, very good player. Uh, Rutgers is in the play-in game, I believe, right, Sam? Yeah, playing against Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, so he would he, – I mean, he's the biggest name and a very good player. I mean, he's a big piece of that team, huge piece, actually. So uh, if you're looking for a local angle, Rutgers would be your team. In that final Midwest bracket, um, again, dark horse. I've got Iowa and Wisconsin, but dark horse in that Midwest bracket for me – are uh, the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State? They're going to play. They're going to play Providence in the first round. So keep an eye on that first round matchup as you fill out your brackets. Again, just think Jackrabbits all the way. So okay, get down to the nitty gritty. You got your final four. Narrow it down to the the two that are going to be matching up, and then what do you think it's going to come down to score wise? Let's let's commit right now. I've got mine. Yeah, I'll go first. I've been picking pretty much whatever Sam picks, so I'll go first so people just don't think I'm, you know, following. I, I have uh, Gonzaga beating Arizona uh, in a matchup. You know, the Arizona coach was, an, was a Gonzaga assistant until this year when he took the Arizona job, uh, and uh, I have it as 80-76 to 76, Gonzaga. Sam? I'm going to go with Arizona and Kentucky. Uh, I just think that, um, again – Oscar Shibway can be so dominant, and if he can get going and Kentucky can get some outside shooting, Kentucky in the Southeast Conference Tournament um, did not win that tournament because teams just shut off their three-point situations because they didn't think Shibway was going to have a good game inside. If Kentucky can get some three-pointers going and Shibway can get something going inside, Kentucky can beat Arizona. Um, that would be a good matchup with Shibway against Coloco of Arizona uh, with the big men there in the national championship. So let me put uh, Kentucky uh, against Arizona, uh, but a real, a real strong feeling for Texas Tech as well. Um, again, uh, if you want to, if you want a real contrarian bracket, send Texas Tech to the finals. Wow. Okay, but what's your score for Arizona over uh, oh, Kentucky? It, it, oh, okay. Oh, it'll be a it'll be a monster point game. Monster point game. It's, hmm. It'll be uh, it'll be uh, you know eighty seventy eight something like that. Well, I'm I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm going to say in the round of four, April second. I'm I'm I you know I've tried to analyze like you guys do and and take the wild card picks and all that. I'm going to keep it simple. I am going to go for the round of four for all number ones. Gonzaga versus Baylor in that one game, Arizona versus Kansas in the other. 
And then the final, I'm picking Gonzaga over Arizona, and I'm going to say it's a squeaker, 76-75. Okay, I'm going to keep it simple. Okay. <laughs> and I'm rooting for Geo and Rutgers. My wife's alma mater, so Rutgers, I hope, wins that play-in game over Notre Dame. Let's let's uh, go with another big story that came up this week. Uh, uh, 40 days away, Tom Brady is back with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, Roger. Who cares? Go away, Tom Brady. Stick of you. <laughs> Love you as a player. When did you turn into this prima donna? I don't want to hear about you until the season starts anymore. Done. You and Dan Four Shaughnessy agree on that one. Go away. <laughs> what about you, Sam? It's all about brand management. Okay. Tom Brady is all about the TB12 brand. Okay. When you do something like retire and come back, all of a sudden your brand gets all this exposure and all this publicity that can carry you all the way to July. So the TB12 brand is still out there and still strong. And that's what it's all about. He may say it's about winning championships, but it's all about the brand. TB12, the brand. Do you think the fact that Aaron Rodgers stayed with Green Bay and uh, the big surprise, I guess, was Russell Wilson going from Seattle to, to Denver. Uh, did that make any, did that help his decision to come back or do you think it had any effect at all? I do. I do. I think, uh, I think Rogers coming back, getting that big money deal. Okay. $50 million a year for four years. Um, you know, I, I think Brady's competitive enough and the TB brand, TD, TB12 brand needs to be up there. I think that had a lot to do with it, with him coming back. I wanted to ask you about Cody Morissette. Have you heard anything about uh, the minor leagues started on time? Roger, have you heard anything about, uh, you know, his future, especially now that uh, it seems like I think Major League Baseball uh, teams are going to be bringing up a lot of that talent fast. So, I mean, I don't see him there this year with the Miami Marlins, but there again, who knows, right? Well, I think we do know. Yeah, not not Miami this year. Um, um you know, we'll know more about his career once they break camp and they assign him to, uh, you know, let's remember Grant Levine from Bedford was a first round pick and he's not out of a ball yet, you know, four years later. So it's not like, it's not like we go straight to the majors very often. Um, uh, but then again, Cody was a college player, so he's a little older and, you know, he, he should progress faster. Um, so, you know, I guess you never rule out anything, but you know, players don't usually make the jump from a ball or rookie league ball to, you know, past double a, uh, in a year or two. Um, but again, we'll wait and see where he's assigned and, you know, let people know where he's playing and that will allow them to follow his career. At least, uh, you know, a lot of times in the mid season, they get bumped up. So, you know, we'll find out where he's at and you can follow him at least for half a season and, Take it from there. Two minute drill time. Uh, Roger, you want to lead us off? Yeah. Well, I just, um, we were talking about high school baseball and, and pro baseball. And one of the better prospects in the country is that when a, when a kind of this year, Joe Allen, the pitcher, uh, just wanted to let people know maybe when, when kind of plays Exeter or whoever, uh, worth a trip to go see Joe pitch, you know, he's going to probably be a very, very high draft pick. He pitched for the U S national team. Uh, last year, um, you know, just a terrific player. One of many superb pitchers in New Hampshire this year. Uh, another one being Lamb Doyle from Pinkerton, who's committed to Coastal Carolina, a terrific Division One program. But there are others 
Uh, should be a terrific year of high school baseball here in New Hampshire, but the Seacoast in particular. NewHampshireHardball.com if you want to keep up and the union leader with uh, Roger and his reports on what's happening in the state. Sam, two-minute drill time. Um, I want to get back to basketball, and I'm just, I, I'm just amazed at the comparison of when you're watching a March Madness game or a college basketball game in the next week or 10 days or so, watch the college basketball game and then flip over to the NBA for a second. And your kind of mouth will, your mouth will drop open and you'll say, unbelievable. What a different game. How much more exciting and the enthusiasm and the defense and they're playing and they care. The NBA game is just up and down entertainment. Can I do a, a, a wheeling dunk or some sort of amazing play to get the oohs and ahs? Again, the NHL and NBA, I don't even look at the standings until the playoffs start. I mean, because it just doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, I, when we talk about how baseball is dying, the NHL and NBA during regular season, I think, is the same way. Uh, you just don't want to put the time in. It just doesn't it doesn't doesn't matter. So enjoy the next three weeks of college basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you'll, if you haven't been a college basketball fan, this is a good season to get involved because this is just such a wide open tournament that the intensity will be there for every single game that you watch. The NCAA tournament for the ladies. Uh, who's your favorite there? Or what are the teams to watch there? I think you want to look at some. You want to look at Stanford. I think Stanford's all the team this year, and I think they're going to be the favorite to probably win it all. Okay. All right. I just wanted to say for my two-minute drill, baseball, we've talked about it. It's coming soon, the real deal, in April. Uh, fantasy baseball, and I know those other guys in the background going, uh, hey, if you want to join us, if you want to join us, the Seco Sports Forum Fantasy Baseball Leagues. We've got a few different variations of how to score and how to win. Uh, just email me. That would be the easiest thing. Go SeacoastSportsForum at Yahoo.com or ShermChester at Yahoo.com, and we'll set you up with the, one of the teams in the league, and we just do it for fun. It's just for fun. That does it. On behalf of Sam Bruno and our special guest today, Roger Brown from the Union Leader, I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Forum.